were painting a new building, and I remember telling Dave, I was mad because he was giving pizza out to everybody with his hands. I'm like, it's COVID. My, my mom and my sister just went into the hospital, and I was really upset about things. And then I thought, you know, you, in your mind, you think, what's going to happen? And I told my mind, don't go there. Don't go there. Just keep believing, keep praying, keep believing, keep praying. And this is not in my notes, but, you know, each of us have an appointed time to live on this earth. And I don't know if some of you guys look very young and some of you look a little older on my side. And we don't have, and even if you're young though, you don't know how much time you have. Give it to the Lord, your time and your money and everything. Recently, a couple, when um, Desiree was up there and she was talking about money and giving. I was like, I told Dave the other day, you know, recently I took on a job and I said, that's my favorite part is to be able to give to the Lord. He gave me this job. He gives me everything I have, my husband, my kids. Why can't I just give to him? And I love it. But I've been in ministry for a long time. I'm getting old now, guys. And and I thought about it like I'm 54 years old. And once I turned 50, I was like, I got to get this together. <laughs> I got to know that I know that I know that God is faithful. I got to speak with authority. I'm like, go on. Because all these years, you continue to doubt. Like, God, you called me? My mom used to always laugh because I was always the one called on stage. And I don't like it. And I, I used to always say, like, I don't, I don't want to be a dumb pastor's wife. <laughs> You know, that's hard. I saw my parents struggle, and I'm like, why are you nice to that person? They were so mean to you. And then now I'm that person, and my kids, you know, are like, what is wrong with you, you know? But it's, it's so awesome to serve the Lord, and I'm thankful. And it's so true. Don't give up. Don't give up. You, be, you could be going through the most difficult times, you know, and you have to put on your sunglasses and cry in your car to the song that's ministering to you or whatever it is. But don't give up. There was a time when I felt like giving up, and I remember the Lord would say, see that person right there? They're miserable. Don't give up. They gave up. Don't give up. I have something great for you, and God has been so good, so good. And um, as I grew up, you know, and I know in this room, as Laura was even speaking, there's so many of us that, you know, we come in, the worship was awesome. You come in, all of us have difficulties. All of us have lost loved ones. Just recently, I cracked my kneecap. If, if you guys, <laughs> well, shattered it, basically. If you guys saw me at Chanel's wedding, I was on a wheelchair, very humbled. I was thinking about, like, um, you know, walking with pride, you know, you stumble. I was like, was I walking with pride? But I don't know. Anyways, <laughs> and, and, and you're like, why? As I'm laying on the floor with a broken kneecap, and I'm thinking, God, why? This is so dumb. This is dumb timing. I have to be in a wedding. I've tried to lose weight all these weeks to fit in this dress. And why? What are you doing in my life? But I sat there like, I I just don't know what to do. Like, I don't know. I'm just going to go with the flow. 
And I know there are many of us going through those difficult times. Whether you have children going through difficult times, whether you have a husband, your marriage is messed up or you don't know what to do. I'm a crier, sorry. Recently we had a guest speaker and he said, if your eyes are dry, then you need to be refreshed in the Lord because you need to cry out for the souls of people that are lost. But you know, or maybe you're, you have an illness and you don't know what to do. You just got diagnosed with something and you don't, you're like, God, why? I don't know, when are you gonna heal me? And I know like when my mom and Joy were going through in the hospital, I would hear people say, God is good. He healed my pers this person or whatever. God is so good. And later after the years, I would tell Dave, you know, God is good regardless. Like, why do we do that? God is good when my finances are low. He's so good. You know why? Because he's working in my life. And he's showing me that how desperately I need him. And I can tell you during the years, that's all I've really learned is I need Jesus. I wake up and open the word of God and I need Jesus. I read it till he speaks to me. I do a devotion, do more as much as possible. I've never read so much in my life. And I'm, I just need more of him every day. So if we could open our Bibles to Genesis 37. You know, one of my favorite stories is the story of Joseph. In our church, I didn't say much. Uh, we've been pastoring now for 26 years, and God has been faithful, so faithful. Uh, I have three children, and um, you guys probably know all of them. <laughs> and so we won't go into that. But anyways, they're all good. So far, so good. I know. And um, yes, they're not perfect. Because us as pastor's wives, because I see you guys in the front row here, people think, ooh, you're just always faithful and always ministering because God, everything's perfect in your life. Your finances are perfect, your kids are perfect, your marriage is perfect, so easy, and it's not. <laughs> there are times when we're counseling and we're going through some tough things, but we're still we still know God's with us, and we're still going to give you the word of God. So, But as a young girl, this was one of my favorites. And as I recently, I teach Sunday school at our first service, because I love it still, and the 6 through 10-year-olds. And then the second service, I come in, and we're going through Genesis. And I've been loving, loving, loving even more the story. And sometimes, and I'm going to say it to you, when I'm teaching these kids, they're like, I already know that story. And you guys are probably saying that too. I already know. But what does God want to say to you through this story? So let's go ahead and pray. Lord, I thank you so much. I thank you for everything that you've done, even this morning so far, for your presence in this place, God. Lord, for your encouragement, Lord. Lord, we need you desperately, Lord. Speak to us. I know that when I come with an open heart, Lord, you speak to me even more than ever, Lord. And Lord, just guide me. Speak through me. Let your Holy Spirit work in our lives this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Chapter 37. And we all know that young Joseph, and I was going to say too, 
that as a young girl, I did not know what God had for my life, but I wanted whatever it was. Oh, no. no. <laughs> so, um, and I used to always sing this song, Lord, keep me in the center of your will. And then hardship came, and I was like, oh, God, keep me. <laughs> no. And I remember talking to my brother, like, what are we going to do? Like, should we just go out in the world, or should we just focus and he was like we're going all the way in I said okay so we'll go all the way in so we decided to stay faithful to the Lord I didn't know what was going on recently just talked to somebody I said I didn't have a great plan but God had a plan I did not know who I was gonna marry and some of you guys might be single we ended up going to this church, and I cried all night. You could ask my mom and, dad and my dad. <laughs> and we cried all night. I don't want to go to that dumb church. I don't want to. The first day I walk in, I met Dave. So I was like, oh, gosh. So God works, you know, in those tough times. So this young man, he was 17 years old when his brothers hated him. Hated. So let's go ahead and read verse 2. This is the count of Jacob, and you guys know Jacob is Joseph's dad, and he later, his name was changed to Israel, and he was very deceptful at one time also. When Joseph was 17 years old, he often tended his father's flocks, and he worked for his half-brothers, the sons of his father's wives, Bilhah and Zilpah. But Joseph reported to his father some of the bad things. So he was kind of a snitch, right? And verse 3, Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his children because Joseph had been born to him of his old age. So one day, Jacob had a special gift made from Joseph, a beautiful robe, but his brothers hated Joseph because of their father's love for him more than the rest of them, and they couldn't say a kind word. When I read that, have any of you been so mad or hated someone so bad you couldn't say one kind word about them? That's how much they hated him. And this is his half-brothers. Now, I've been hated by some of my sisters, but <laughs> this never happened to me. So, so then... One night he had a dream, and most of you guys know these dreams, and that his brothers were bowing to him, and, trying, and there were bundles of grains, and suddenly my bundles stood up, he said, and your bundles are gathered around and bowed low before mine. His brothers responded, so you think you will be our king, do you? Do you actually think you will reign over us? And they hated him all the more because of his dreams and the way he talked about them. Soon Joseph had another dream, man, this guy. And he again, he told his brothers about it, it. Listen, I have another dream, he said. The sun, the moon, 11 stars bowed low before me. And this time he told the dreams to his father as well as to his brothers. But his father scolded him. What kind of dream is that, he asked. Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow to you to the ground before you? But while his brothers were jealous of Joseph, his fathers wondered what the dream meant. And soon after this, Joseph's brothers went to the pasture and their flocks at Shechem. And when they had been gone for some time, Jacob and Joseph, Jacob said to Joseph, your brothers are pastor, 
pasturing the sheep of Shechem, get ready, and I will send you to go to them. And he's like, I'm ready. I'll go. So I love, I love Joseph. He's 17. He's always ready to go. Um, 14, and then he went out there. He couldn't find them. Then he saw a man. But as they saw him from afar, they said, ooh, let's kill this guy. Have you ever been so mad that you want to kill your brother? I mean, honestly, I've been mad, but I don't want to kill him. Have you? <laughs> Chanel said, yeah. I was like, what? <laughs> so, so they make a plot, but of course the oldest brother says, no, don't kill him. Let's throw him into the cistern. And so, and then he's thinking, I'll come back and get him after. So they throw him in, but then a caravan comes on and comes by and they decide to sell him. And they sell their brother Joseph for money. That's how much they hate him. Could you? I can't. I mean, I don't think I could sell. Naomi said, "Yeah, okay, <laughs> okay." So they sell him. This poor guy, 17. We've. If some of you have had kids, and they're 17, they complain a lot. In this, I don't hear Joseph complaining at all. And if we go to chapter 39, and we'll see there. And God uses these things in his life. And I love that he doesn't have an attitude. Verse 39, when Joseph was taken to Egypt by the Ishmaelites, who he was traded to, I mean, uh, sold to, he was purchased by Potiphar, an Egyptian officer. Potiphar was the captain of the guard of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. Verse 2, the Lord was with Joseph. So he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of the Egyptian master. Potiphar noticed this and realized that the Lord was with Joseph, giving him success. And this pleased Potiphar so that he soon made Joseph his personal attendant, and he put him in charge of the entire household and everything he owned. And from that day, Joseph was put in charge of his master's household and property, and the Lord began to bless Potiphar's household for Joseph's sake. Can you believe that? Don't we all want a leader like that? Like, oh, take over. I know a pastor in town that he's the associate. He does everything, and the pastor just has to come up and speak. I'm like, oh, I want one of those. <laughs> and that's like Joseph. We see Potiphar didn't have to worry about anything. Did we read that yet? It says, um, he, he, at the end of verse 6, he didn't worry about a thing except what kind of food he had to eat. So all he had to worry about, like, do I want chicken, steak, I don't know, do I want lasagna, or do I want sushi? So stuff like that. Because this young man took, every, uh, took care of everything. God was with him, it says. And people notice when God is with you. If you have a job, do it with everything you have, don't be that person like, I'm going to check out five minutes early just because, you know. Be the hard worker that people say, I want that guy from Living Word. Does he have any more friends? Because I want to hire him. That's how Joseph was. And he found favor. And God had favor upon him. But you know what? God's with you too. I don't care what situation you're in, he is right beside you, walking through the fire with you. I love Psalms 23 where it says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because thou art with me. He's with you. He's not just with Joseph. He's with you. I also like, 
I think it's Psalms 139 where it says, uh, verse 7, where can I go for your, from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into the heavens, you are there. Everywhere you go, he is there with you. He's there with you. He didn't, you know, he was just a young man that did, just went along. And that's how I feel as a young girl. I didn't know what was happening. I didn't want to be a pastor's wife. And and I remember when my son went to Bible college, I knew all these girls that wanted to get married to be pastor's wives. I was like, why? Why would they want that? It's hard work, right? It's hard work. Why would you want to be on stage? I, I have people tell me, I love serving, but I feel God has something better for me. Like Laura says, they want the microphone. But you know what? It's not easy having the microphone. And nobody, I don't know if you want it, if you can try it. So serve. God came to serve. He didn't come to get all the glory. He came to serve. Serve wherever God has called you. And one of the best places, I think, is in the children's ministry because you're raising up the next generation. You have older kids. I have older kids. And I'm like, ah, oh, there's not much I can do if, unless they ask me. <laughs> I'm not really in their face anymore unless they ask me, like, Mom, what do I do? So here's the time to give of all that you have. So let's continue because I have so much more. So we all know the story. Then later, you know, he was handsome. And then he, Potiphar's wife, you know, noticed him. And she said, you know, um, she continued to hound him and say, well, you know, I come be with me, come be with me, come be with me. And I'm going to say this right now, and I don't know who it's for. But if you're dealing with a temptation like that and you're a married woman or you're a single woman, give it up today. Give it up today. Don't mess around with those things. If someone is calling you or you're talking to a married man, stop it. You could come up here and dance all you want, but you're sinning behind the scenes and it needs to stop. None of that. Because you know what? I love Joseph. He said no, but then he might have dropped his guard. Let's go to um, verse 10 in chapter 39. She kept putting pressure on Joseph day after day, but he refused to sleep with her, and he kept out of her way, which he was smart, as much as possible. But one day, verse 11 says, however, no one else was around when he went in to do his work. He kind of messed up there, you know. There's no, you have no business being alone with a married man. And I used to always think as a young girl, if some of you guys are single, when I get married, I want someone to treat my husband with respect, so I need to do the same thing. And I know that church there's weirdos sometimes. I'm not saying you guys, maybe in my church, but not in your church, okay? I grew up in church, and I remember like married men coming up to me and saying, ooh, I really like your lipstick. And I'd be like, really? Well, maybe you should buy it for your wife, you know? So, yeah. so it was just weird, and those kind of things happen. 
But you don't have to be like, oh, thank you. What else do you like? You know, no. Just move on. So she came, let's see, verse 12. She came and grabbed him by his cloak, demanding, come and sleep with me. And Joseph tore himself away, but he left the cloak. And I feel sorry for this kid, because the cloak, first his brothers, and I don't know if I mentioned that, he, his brothers killed him, I mean, not killed him, sold him, and then they killed a goat, and they put the blood on his coat. This, these coats are not good for him. Now this lady grabs his coat. Okay, so we go on. So, she called out to her servants, oh, this guy raped me, or he took advantage of me. And this is why you don't want to be alone. Like I used to tell my boys all the time, you're 18, don't be with a 16-year-old. I don't care if she needs a ride. Don't. She could ruin your life. But ladies, we shouldn't be lying about men like this. This is wrong. This is wrong what she did. But, you know, the Lord used it. She kept the cloak with her until her husband came in verse 17. And then she told him her story. And, of course, he's furious. Throws Joseph in prison. Poor Joseph. Now, some of us are dealing with issues. When I talk about we have problems, we go through things, some of us have done things. We've made dumb decisions. And that's why we're in the position. Like, uh, we charge our credit cards up, and, you know, those things happen. But <laughs> you got yourself in that position. This kid didn't do anything. <laughs> He's just, well, maybe he showed a little pride in telling his dreams and stuff like that. But he didn't do anything. He's 17 years old, the poor guy. And so now he's in prison again. And I know he's not, I don't see in here, maybe he did and they didn't record it, but he didn't yell, he didn't say, check the cameras. I didn't do anything. That lady is a liar. She's, you know, he didn't say anything. Bible talks about how vengeance is mine and I've learned through the years that I like to get back at people but I'm not good at it, and God is better. So I just leave it to him, and I see him take care of it. I'm like, you do so much better than I do. So I'm not good at it. So he didn't do that, and I love that he um, had the fear of the Lord. He didn't care that anybody else thought anything. All he cared about was God. He knew that God saw and that he didn't see him do anything with this woman. And that's all he cared about. Do we think about that? Are we like that? Or are we like, um, like we want to do everything for our pastors to see? Like, oh, here, did you see me? Look at, I gave her water. No. Do we do those things? And then behind the scenes, you're just fleshed out. But we need to really care about and know that God knows everything. He sees everything. And we need to teach our kids that too. Not how to be religious and come to church and see how everything looks good, but how it's not good sometimes. I really like that pastor's wife that was up there from Texas. It's not good sometimes. But it doesn't mean we also, I, I've also um, came into church one day, and this lady said, how are you? I said, I'm fine. And she goes, no, really, tell me, how are you? And I said, do you want to be here a long time? You know, because there's a lot of things. And she goes, well, why is it good then? And I said, because I'm looking to the Lord, and I'm not focusing on my problems. 
So it doesn't mean we're faking it. It just means we're not telling you everything because you don't need to know everything. <laughs> unless, and I always say, unless, you know, we tell certain people and we tell women to pray for us and we tell our friends, our close-knit friends. I always think of Esther when she was in the palace and she realized her people were in trouble. She grabbed the women and said, let's pray, let's fast. And that's what she did. She didn't say, well, let me tell you this, and let me tell you this. And those are only your core women. And we should all have friends like that. And you have friends that pray with you, have friends that fast with you. But when we come into the church, it doesn't mean because I'm smiling today, hi, everything's perfect. No, I have tough times too. And I know you do, too. So let's go ahead. Um, so the fear of wisdom. Let me read this from um, Max Lucado that I was reading a book. It says, actions have consequences. Joseph placed his loyalty above lust. Hmm. He honored his master, and his master Joseph's primary concern was the preference of God. How can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? In verse 9, the lesson we learn from Joseph is surprisingly simply simple. Do what pleases God. What, your coworkers, they ask you to go to a strip joint after, oh, I'm sorry. You know, you're just like, I guess I have to go from, no, do what pleases God. They ask you to maybe, um, let me see, I wrote some stuff. Your date maybe invites you up to his apartment for a cup of coffee. It's not wine or beer or anything. And you're going to be alone. Do what pleases God. That's not a smart thing to do. It's, and that's not a rule. That is wisdom from God. That is wisdom. So when you're, you tell your pastor's wife, uh, I hate your dumb rules. No, that's just wisdom, okay? <laughs> um, when your classmates show you how to cheat or when they teach you how to go on the computer for pornography or maybe to do some weed or pot or whatever it is, do what pleases God. Do what pleases the Lord. Not all of the church people, all the people in leadership, Man, we want people that love Jesus. And when you love Jesus, you love people. And you love the needs and you want to be there for the others. Do what pleases God. Um, and later, so he's not mad. He goes into prison and there's two people in prison. The butler and the baker. They have a dream. Hmm. Joseph and Joseph says, "What's wrong with you?" They're in, we're in verse uh, chapter forty. Why are you sad? And they said, "I had a dream." He interprets the dream. One was going to be killed. The other one was going to be um, brought back to his position as a cupbearer. Um, and Joseph says, "Remember me. Remember me when you get out, because I'm in prison. He wants to get out. It's probably not a fun time. It's not prison like today either. It's bad. So he um, he remembers he these guys get out, just like the dream said. The baker was killed, and the butler, the cupbearer, um, stays alive to his own position. And then if we go to chapter 41, uh, Pharaoh has a dream. And Joseph's still in prison. It says, two full years later, Pharaoh had a dream. No one could interpret the dreams. And I know you guys are all imagining veggie tales right now. 
No, just him. <laughs> Nobody knows the dream. He's mad. And um, they don't know the dream. He's mad. They don't know how to interpret it. And finally, the butler speaks up, and we'll see. And that's in verse 10. Some time ago, he said, you were angry with the chief baker and me, and you imprisoned us in, in the palace of the captain of the guard. In verse 11, one night the chief baker and I each had a dream, and each dream had its own meaning. And there was a young Hebrew man with us in prison who was a slave of the captain of the guard, and he told him our dreams, uh, we told him our dreams, and he told us what each of the dream meant. So he remembers him finally after two years. I would be pretty mad, like, dude, you didn't remember me. I was in prison eating that gross food all these years. I'm <laughs> just kidding. But he didn't do that. So, and then um, we see that he interprets his dreams, and many of us probably remember the fat cows, the skinny cows for seven years. And he brings Joseph out of prison, um, uh, the Pharaoh, and they clean him up. And he comes and they say, Can you interpret this dream? And what does he say? Yes, I am amazing. I can interpret any dream. Did he say that? No, no. <laughs> All of you guys are, yeah, he did. <laughs> now he said in verse 16, it is beyond my power to do this, Joseph replied, but God can tell you what it means and set you at ease. He gave the glory to God. And how many times do we forget to give the glory to God? Sometimes we are that person, like, yes. I've been in ministry for 26 years. What do you want to know? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, we're not like that. I am still learning, and I need to continue learning. And you know what? That is one thing I've learned from, like, my dad and my mom. Continue to learn. We do have some older people in our church, probably not your church, but they know it all. <laughs> and it's hard because... We need to remain teachable and humble. And you know what? You can learn so much from young people. I learn so much from my kids, even when they're naughty. Like, I'm like thinking, well, that's kind of, that's kind of true what they're saying. I, I have some kids that love people. And sometimes, and I'm not going to say this about your church. It's probably about mine again. Some people in our churches today are mean. We're known for being so mean and unloving. Now, I know that love means to say the truth. But sometimes we use the Bible to beat someone up instead of love them. And yes, things are wrong in their lives. And that's all we have to tell them and let the Lord and the Holy Spirit begin to work in their lives. Because we can say some mean things and we are so judgmental. And like I said, I'm talking about myself and I'm not talking about your church, but my church. <laughs> so I hope there's no meanness here because we need to share the love of Jesus. Jesus loved people. He went with people. Even when they were hurting and messed up. Like Laura said, I came to the church messed up. Some, some of us look at those people messed up like, what are you doing here? You don't belong here. 
but they do. They're exactly the people who belong here. And exactly. And because I grew up in the church, my parents got saved when, they were, when I was three years old. And thank God that the Lord did a work in their lives. Where then my parents had kids, and then we have kids, and then they're you know, and then they're serving the Lord. It's a whole generation. Even before, like, my mom passed, I remember her calling me during COVID. And she'd say, put FaceTime on. What's going on? And I said, all the kids are here. Like, I don't know why. But, and she's like, put the camera on them. Oh, it's such a blessing. You don't know how blessed you are that the kids are serving the Lord and still like you. And I know sometimes they don't like me. But Welcome your kids. Some, some of you have prodigals that have gone astray, and they don't want to go anywhere near, near your house. Why? Oh, because I love Jesus. Um, or it's because you're mean, and you tell them that God doesn't like you because of this. But God does love them. God loves them, but he hates the sin. And that's how we should be. He hates the sin. The sin is ruining their lives. But he loves them desperately. And I, I know so many kids that say, I don't know why my mom taught, was so nice to me when I was evil and I was in the house, but she just kept loving me. She gave me hugs or she did this. And that's what brought them back, the love of Jesus. The Bible says it's the kindness that leads them to repentance. Kindness that leads us to repentance. And as we go on in the story, we know that that dream was interpreted. And I love this part. And we'll, we'll hurry up and uh, go to an end. But he said in that dream, as Joseph was uh, talking and speaking about that dream, He he gives Pharaoh, um, he said, so Pharaoh asks his officials, he tells Pharaoh in verse, uh, I think it's, uh, sorry, 35, have them gather food, produce the good years, and then he said, store it away, verse 36, that way that we can have enough for the other years. And then verse 37 says, Joseph's suggestions were well received by Pharaoh, and I love that. In verse 38, so Pharaoh asked his officials, can we find anyone else like a man? Oh, because he did say, I didn't get there. But he said, um, can anyone find a man like this? Because he, uh, Joseph had told Pharaoh and give this position to a wise man. And then Pharaoh says, so Pharaoh asked his officials, can we find anyone else like this man so obviously filled with the Spirit of God? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has revealed this meaning of the dream to you, clearly no one else is as intelligent or wise as you. And that's not because he was so smart. It was the wisdom of God. And I live in a college town, and we have some smart people there, but sometimes they're not very wise, <laughs> and it's pretty sad. So he, we see here that he was filled with the Holy Spirit. And as we continue, we see um, that um, they saved the food, 
And then there was the famine for the seven years, and then Joseph was in charge, but his brothers come for food one day. Joseph recognizes them, and then he, they don't recognize Joseph. <laughs> they have no idea where he is. And if you know that story, he's happy. He weeps because he sees his brothers, and he loves them. And he ends up taking care of them. So as we go way far ahead in Genesis 48, my favorite, one of my, I don't know why the Lord showed me the scripture years ago, and I always cry when I hear it, because there's many things in our lives that we say, man, God, I'm so thankful. But then he goes beyond, and we're like, whoa, this is beyond. Like, why are you so nice to me? I don't understand it. I don't deserve it. And Jacob, you know, losing a child is probably, from what I hear, one of the worst things to happen. And if any of you have lost a child, I'm sorry. But imagine Jacob's dad. This was his favorite. And, and as parents, we shouldn't have favorites. I'll, I'll tell you right now, it depends what day is my favorite. <laughs> Sometimes I don't like one, sometimes I like the other, and I always tell Dave that, and they all tell me I have a favorite, and I, I don't think I do, it just depends what day, but we shouldn't really do that to our kids, it's not a good idea, um, <laughs> but imagine losing your favorite, you guys probably know who it is, no, just kidding. <laughs> and uh, Genesis 48, 11, Jacob, Joseph's dad is dying. He's on his deathbed. And he tells Joseph right here, then Jacob said to Joseph, I never thought I would see your face again. But now God has let me see your children too, like my grandchildren. He was like, God, and God, give us a heart to be thankful like that. If we come in here and you were thinking, like I said, we all have difficulties, but we can see so much that we have to be thankful for. There's pastors that give up the pulpit because of 10 people out of 100 people. And those people are always the loudest. And I would say also our troubles are always the loudest. But you know what? That's, there's so much great things. So much great things. I think about... Even our situation, like, I don't know why I broke my knee, and I still don't. So one day, I might not know till I go to heaven. But I think about even, you know, when you lose somebody. And I, I'm blessed. I don't know about you guys, but I, my mom lived a full, blessed life. Very thankful for that. She didn't have to deal with sickness and stuff after we didn't have to tell her about losing a child. That would have killed her. But God's faithfulness, you know, I, I try to see all the good in it, and there's so much more good than bad, and focus on that. We need to be thankful, it says, in all circumstances. And it doesn't mean we're weird, like, oh, I'm so thankful this happened. Like, I broke my knee. Boy, I'm thankful. Imagine if I came up here. I'm so thankful I broke my knee. You know, I'm not thankful about that. I'm glad God took care of me. You know, and I still don't know why, but I don't like it. You know, I want to move, and I, I don't like it. Let's be honest. 
But God uses those things to break us and to bring us to the place where God wants us to be, like Joseph. He was brought to that perfect place. The other day, I had a broken glass, and I was mad. I grabbed it, and I said, why is this in here, David? You should throw it out. It's broken. The only thing that, God, the only thing that uses broken things is God, so throw it away. And my, da- my daughter was dying of laughter. She's like, that was hilarious. I'm like, oh. But it's true. You're broken. God can use you. You've had tough times. God can use those tough times. But just give it to the Lord. Keep giving it. Keep believing. Keep praying, seeking God. Don't just come on Sundays to get fed. You're going to starve. You're going to starve. Start reading a little bit a day, a scripture. Just start, and then you'll want more and more. Don't see your struggle as an interruption. Don't see it as you're being punished, but as you're being prepared for the future. Let God prepare you. God is doing the best for us, training us to live God's holy best. For when, the Bible says, your faith is tested. Your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. So if you see your troubles as nothing more than an isolated hassle and hurts, you could grow bitter and angry. And I know people like that. They're mad. They're mad at God. They tell me I don't go to church because all those fake people at church. And I say, I've seen a lot of fake people too, but I'm still at church. (laughs) I could tell you even worse stories, and I'm still here. Why? Because I love the Lord. I love you guys too, and I love people's being changed and renewed. And I don't want my kids to not know that God is so amazing. I, they need to know that they need the Lord. I was at a hairdresser. Uh, my hairdresser is a heathen beyond heathens. But she sometimes, you know, she looks at our family and she loves them. And she said, I don't know why you would, um, what's the word she used? You like train your kids to go to church. I said, I, I want them to go to church. They know they need to go to church. We need Jesus because it's just dumb. It's a waste of time. And I was like getting furious inside. I was getting red. I'm like, stay calm, angel. And, I, and she said, you condition them. huh? That, I said, I don't condition them. I said, I love them. And when you love somebody, you want to give them the best. And Jesus is the best. Jesus is the best. So... Why not give it to them? I said, I offer it to you all the time, but you don't want the best, so keep living your life. I'm just kidding. Right? What are we supposed to do? (laughs) Just keep praying for her and loving her. So I'm going to close today, and I thank you guys so much for everything. And I just pray, and maybe I don't know if we're going to have prayer, Chanel.